When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, post-training camp edition, I guess. Uh, the Browns fully practice here in Berea. They're sort of getting into a, a game week pattern here. They play the Bears on Saturday, so this was sort of their, what would be a Wednesday practice. And then uh, they'll do sort of their Thursday and their Friday here leading up to the game on Saturday night. Uh, let's get into some stuff we saw and heard today before practice, and I want to start with Miles Garrett. Mary Kay, of course, he was asked about going against his former teammate Baker Mayfield in week one. Anything stand out to you? Well, of course, Miles downplayed the situation of going against Baker Mayfield, and that was smart. I mean, you don't want to give Baker Mayfield any bulletin board material, at least not this far in advance. And Miles, who is usually outspoken, was very careful not to say anything uh, that could, could end up firing up Baker Mayfield. But rest assured, those two guys left with a little bit of tension between them, okay? There were things that had happened last year and in previous years that caused them to maybe not always be uh, quite on the same page with each other. One of those things was the Odell Beckham Jr. saga. We heard Miles Garrett last year talk about how he was upset that Odell was gone, and I don't think a lot of the defensive players really appreciated how some of that was handled. And so I think there's a little bit of that that's left over, And then, you know, if you go all the way back to the helmet incident, uh, those guys had to kind of patch things up after Baker Mayfield went on national television and and basically kind of spoke out against Miles. So Sheldon Richardson, savvy vet and locker room leader that he is, put those two guys together and basically kind of had them work out their differences. But there wasn't always... 100% peace and harmony between the two number one overall picks. And when I look at this game, I have to say that if the Browns defense cannot get up for this, then what can they get up for? Yeah, Ashley, um, Miles kind of had a sly little line in there, though, where he said he wouldn't mind getting two sacks, basically. You know, he's going to play the game like he normally would, and if he happens to get two sacks along the way, great. I'm sure Miles and, and the rest of that defense and the rest of this team in general want to go out there and, and prove themselves uh, against Baker. Yeah, when Miles said that, I couldn't help but wonder if he's going to uh, head to the Spirit Halloween or whatever <laughs> and have a new tombstone made for his quarterback graveyard if he does get that sack against Baker Mayfield in week one when he de- decorates for Halloween this year. That was the lead of my story. Uh, I didn't even read it. Yet. No. Oh my gosh. I'm, this is no lie, people. I did not read Mary Kay's story yet. But the thought did cross my mind because I think at the end of the day Miles Garrett is the type of player who like you said Dan is not going to give these guys bulletin board material necessarily but he certainly will throw in his little quips when he can like he's still got that personality it's gonna come through and they're gonna use it as motivation regardless of what they say like it's understandable I think why they keep so much of this stuff in-house and aren't gonna talk about it with us 
But at the end of the day, it's going to be talked about in that locker room, I think. Yeah, and look, I read two months ago, this was a nondescript game. It was just an opener in Carolina. Who cares? The Browns are the better team. They're going to win the game. But now there, there is some spice to this game, whether players want to stand in front, behind microphones and say there is. The way I see it, all this... Nobody is watching every single detail as closely as SB Nation right now for for, <laughs> for another beef history video. But no, really though, I mean you're right. This was just another game on the schedule. I mean the first game, all right, let's go and get one of them. Now this this might even make primetime TV for all we know because of all the narratives and everything. Yeah, but Miles Miles knows better. Miles is smart. He knew how to construct his words to show that yeah, I'm not gonna say anything to make myself look bad or give him as. My Cody Burns would say any bulletin board material, but just know I'm going to be ready for that game. So I definitely look forward to how he approaches and definitely leads that uh, defensive tone. Okay, so this is this is one of the fun things I like when we have a new person kind of join the beat. Um, and they haven't been around the players. They haven't been around guys. Irie was asking me about Miles Garrett before he came out for his interview. And it's like, like what does this guy look like? And anyone who has mm-hmm. seen Miles Garrett, it's like it. Like, it's incredible, like, how athletic he is, the way he's built. Just, so, Irie, your first impressions of, of Miles Garrett. I am convinced that he lifts houses. <laughs> I, I, he doesn't use dumbbells. I think he legit lifts houses. I don't care where, small or big, he uses that for his uh, within his training program. Nah, I mean, he definitely, it's, it's definitely different when you're watching from, from, from a couch on TV and just like, wow, he's so agile. And then you see him in person, you're like, what the... Like he, looked, he should have been cast for it for the thing in the next Fantastic Four <laughs> film, but nah, it, it just makes me even more excited to watch him uh, come, you know, come every season. Come, from that, compared to seeing how he really looks in person, it just makes him even more. It just adds to how great of a player he is. So the reason I bring that up, Mary Kay, is Miles today. Of course, you know, as as he does, it seems like every training camp, the Defensive Player of the Year award is brought up. It's going to happen until he wins it. Um, T.J. Watt was brought up, and. The NFL 100 list was brought up. Now, the NFL 100 list is what it is. It's supposedly voted on by players, but nobody actually, none of these guys actually take it serious when they vote. So it kind of is what it is, but Miles said he thinks he should be number one. He's got the physical ability to be number one, to one day be. I'm sure Aaron Donald has been number one on that list before. It's not probably not always a quarterback. What does it ultimately look like? the year that Miles Garrett does end up number one on that list. Well, I have been harping on this for a very long time. You guys know that I've been doing this uh, about Miles Garrett, and that is I believe that he needs to add way more takeaways and big plays to his repertoire. If you go back and you add it all up, and I've got all the numbers in some of my stories, uh, but I think that's the thing that is sort of missing from his game, just more strips, uh, a few more batted passes, maybe a touchdown here or there. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, when you see Aaron Donald play, and of course there are different positions, but when you watch him play, you know every single game that he's been out there. And if you hear some of the coaches talk about Miles Garrett, and Joe Woods has been saying this going back to last season, they're talking about consistency, and Miles even talked about that today. Consistency, uh, and, and what they're looking for is that same high-intensity level of effort on every single play, or at least as many plays as he can. Now, maybe some of that would would involve a little bit more rotation so that he has the juice and the energy to perform at that level all the way to the end of the game. But there, So there's two things that I've been saying all season. So he's got to get more takeaways, and he's got to finish strong. 
For whatever reason, in each year, he has tailed off at the end. It's either been because of COVID. A lot of these things, you know, haven't necessarily been his fault, but it was COVID one year. Last year, you know, I, I know he had a groin issue, and then there was the helmet year. So, you know, he needs to go out like a lion. I mean, he, you know, he needs to come in like a wrecking ball and go out like a lion. And, um, and I think if he can do those things, then he will get all the attention he deserves for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And, Ash, I feel like that second Baltimore game was like the, the template. And I think he was going down that road the year he got COVID. He, I mean, he was a, a terror that year. Uh, but I think that Baltimore game last year where he ultimately, he kind of won that game for him. That, yeah. that touchdown, that, that strip sack touchdown was basically the difference in that game. And that's sort of, you're not going to do that 16 times a year, but to see a little bit more of that, I, I agree with Mary Kay. That's sort of, that's the thing we need to see where you kind of say, okay, we need 95 to go make a play here, and then he just goes and makes one. Yeah, for me, it's kind of all about him finding a way to put these things together in terms of his sack numbers and the takeaways. Because like you said, Dan, the COVID year 2020, he was doing really well with those takeaways, but then tapered off after he got COVID. This past year, we saw the sacks come really early, really quickly. He really, you know, was in the conversation because of that. But couldn't get those takeaways. I mean, it wasn't just Miles. This team as a whole struggled to get takeaways. They were in like the bottom half of the league easily with creating those. So I do think it is mostly about him just putting it all together. And it's part of the reason why I've been so interested in asking him. We've heard him talk about things he changed this preseason and really especially with his training, focusing on his core, because he believes that's really key to eliminating some of these nagging injuries that you know, I still think back constantly to when Aaron Rodgers was on the Manning cast for that Pittsburgh game, and they had just played them a couple weeks prior, and he's like, well, it definitely helps when Jadavian Clowney's not out there and Miles Garrett is playing on one leg. Like, that's the situation that they were in, that those numbers really, I think, tapered off because of that groin injury last year. I, so we do the, the drafts all the time, right? We haven't done one in a while, but we'll get back into doing drafts at some point uh, on this podcast. If we were doing edge rushers, would Miles Garrett be everyone's number one pick? I'm putting you on the spot. So I'm thinking yeah. we've got the Bosa's. Yeah, um, you've got TJ Watt. You've got I'm I'm gonna forget somebody. Um, well, let's let's cut out Joey Bosa because we did take Nick first in okay. the Ohio All right. State draft. So, then so Nick, Nick Bosa, Bosa went ahead of Joey. <laughs> uh, he'd at least be in the discussion, yeah. right? But would oh, he yeah. be like if you had the number one pick, would you take him? Number one. You know what? I, I think for me, the first thing that comes to my mind is between him and T.J. Watt. Yeah. I mean, T.J. Watt is such a – he's the reigning NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he is just so fast and explosive off the ball. Uh, you know, Miles talked about him today and, you know, how he even wants to learn some things from T.J. Watt, and I'm sure T.J. Watt would feel the same way um, about about Miles. But, you know, what comes to mind is, you know, those, those two guys – uh, you know, really are the ones. But now there are going to be some young guys pressing them and pushing them. So, I mean, you've got to stay on top of your game because it's just going to continue to be, um, you know, more and more competitive out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you looked like you wanted to. When I asked that question, you looked ready to jump in. You know, uh, I, 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 like to, I like to stay put on ground, you know, but I, when it comes to this, I, I feel with everything uh, Mary Kay had mentioned, I would still probably take Miles number one. Uh, I think just the fact alone that you mentioned him wanting to even say he wants to learn more from uh, T.J. Watt is already bulletin. 
born materially enough, along with TJ being a reigning defensive player of the year. Coming into the season, Miles was going to be a, probably a different animal compared to what we've seen in previous seasons, and that's all I feel will be needed to really to take a number one in that. It, just when you watch it go around the edge in practice, it's just, I mean, you see just how much of a problem he is, and yeah. that's, that's just it with, like, T.J. Watt and the Bosa's and, you know, Chase Young, and, you know, and I'm trying to think of a bunch of different defensive ends here. When you think about the, the best defensive ends in the league, the, the guys who lead in sacks, they don't have the physical talent that Miles has, and I think that's what's really scary is, like, when he does put it all together, Ashley, like, this dude can be really, really scary. That's what I was going to say. I would probably take Miles because I think I have a Miles bias from watching <laughs> him all the time. And like you said, Dan, getting to see him, I think, up close, especially like at these practices, um, it's just, it's different. It's, you can see him on TV and, and do all that stuff or sit in the upper level of First Energy Stadium and watch him. But it's different when you just kind of see him fully in action. But I did want to bring up, you know, it's funny because when we went to the Combine this past year, one of the story ideas that I had was to go around to a bunch of these top edge rushers and ask them, who's your favorite edge rusher to watch in the NFL? And some guys are, tend to be like homers towards their college, but the story never got written because almost everyone said T.J. Watt or somebody <laughs> like random who they went to school with, like David Ojabo, for example, brought up Frank Clark, which was an answer yeah, that didn't come one. out anywhere else. But T.J. Watt, I think, is has definitely made his mark with these younger players coming up in a way that I think Miles Garrett is perfectly capable of doing, but because of like the defensive player of the year stuff and putting together a whole season, it just hasn't resonated the same way quite with everyone yet, I don't think. Okay, let's take a break and then we'll talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson and look real quickly ahead to what could happen on Saturday night against Chicago. And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, Ivy Harris, uh, Deshaun Watson, Mary Kay, as you, I believe you tweeted it out, um, he is basically playing Baker Mayfield now. Yeah, he is uh, primarily running the show team or the scout team, where you give a look to the defense about the quarterback that you're about to play. So that's what he's doing. And as we mentioned on, on our video, you know they really don't need to game plan for the Bears in the final preseason game on August 27th, this coming Saturday night. They don't need to worry about that. If they're transitioning to regular season mode, which they're in right now, it's time to be game planning for the Panthers. So I would have to think that if they didn't do it today, at some point between now and the time that Deshaun Watson is suspended on August 30th, that he will be making like Baker Mayfield. And isn't that ironic? He's giving the defense the Mayfield look. So, you know, it's just kind of funny, kind of ironic, the way that this whole thing worked out. You know, Baker, the minute that the Browns flew down to Houston to court Deshaun Watson, asked to be traded. And I think that changed everything. Because if he didn't ask to be traded, there's a chance he'd still be here. But, you know, they knew after that that they had to come big at Deshaun Watson, and that's when they offered him the fully guaranteed $230 million contract. Now, Deshaun had something to do with also him getting back into it, too, with them getting back into it. But I you know, I just have to wonder if Baker Mayfield didn't you know, stomp his feet and pitch a fit and ask to be traded if they just would have ridden out this season with yeah, him. Yeah, maybe. It's weird, Ashley, yeah. watching Deshaun Watson run the scout team and Jacoby Brissett run the first team. It's just, you know, we're not going to get to see practice for that much longer. 
But it's just so strange to stand there and, like, Deshaun Watson is, you know, they're holding up the card and they're, they're showing him what to run. And it's, it's just a bizarre, it's just a reminder of how bizarre this whole situation is. And to Mary Kay's point about Deshaun essentially going to be playing Baker Mayfield, that's the real Mayfield matrix, as our <laughs> podcast listeners will remember that series we did in the winter. Like, talk about some kind of simulated reality to have to kind of watch those things on the field, but it is definitely bizarre. But like we kind of said, looking back on it, I almost wonder if we're going to be like, why didn't they switch over to Jacoby sooner? Like, you know, I think that's going to be one of those things that's really easy to look back and be critical of in hindsight, even though it's kind of unprecedented for as much as these guys say, you know, people go out in the NFL all the time, which is true. Mm -hmm. Anybody can be done at any day, given an injury. It is different because you know it's coming. So I wonder if in, you know, eight weeks we're going to be like, was it really smart to let Deshaun be playing, you know, the first team reps until, what, the 12th or 13th training camp practice? I mean, that's like two weeks worth of practices. Yeah, it was a lot of reps. I wasn't yeah. here yet, but it was basically Deshaun would do all the first team reps, Jacoby would get one, and then the second team would come out. And I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch because Deshaun's not going to play again until week 13. And I don't think, you know, those those reps he got in the spring and, you know, early summer are going to help, but there's going to be some rest he has to kick off and... Uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. It. I think it's one of those things we can only judge on hindsight. No, you're right. Uh, even though I've only been here probably eight, nine days total, I did catch a little a, a glimpse of that where in their first team snaps, they would still give it to Deshaun even after the 11-game suspension was placed, and Jacoby would only get one or two at most. I understand that the game plan the entire time was, all right, Jacoby starts the first six games, and then Deshaun comes back, but, it, but those can be six impactful games. I'm not sure it's the reason why you're not giving him more, more first-team snaps. You should get used to that for the first six games of the season. Now it's going to be 11 games. Now you have to retract. Now you have to game plan once again. Now what? Uh, so it's definitely going to be interesting. But as you guys said, it's almost never a dull moment here. So it, there's always usually something to give us to talk about. Okay, last thing here. Let's look ahead to that Saturday game against the Bears. Uh, Matt Eberflus did come out and say that his starters would play 25 to 30 plays. Kevin is not revealing what he wants to do. He rarely does until the last minute. So we probably won't know until Thursday for sure. But, um, look, Mary Kay, he, he did say he talks to the opposing coach. They talk about what they want to accomplish. They want to make sure that you don't have situations where one team is thinking one thing and one team is thinking the other. So it's probably safe to assume that Kevin is – probably going to do the same thing on Saturday night. Yeah, it is. And even just from for safety purposes, that's what you want to do. You do not want to have your starters out there with third teamers trying to make the team and, you know, just coming at you like a kamikaze, just not worrying about uh, penalties or anything like that. So, uh, so I really do think that they will both do that. And I think it's smart. I think that gives Jacoby Brissett enough time against live reps to, you know, to feel the rush, to feel the heat, to try to get the ball off, to get a little bit of timing down against some first team cornerbacks versus his receivers, uh, to see where a, a guy likes the, the ball placed on his, his body on a, on an out route, uh, all the little nuanced things that happen during a football game. Uh, I think Jacoby Brissett will have a chance to do that. And uh, I also think it's important to experience the halftime and then come back out and play a little bit in the third quarter. I think that's important. And if they can, I think they should try to do that. Um, so, you know, that, that just gives you the feel for the adjustments, the halftime adjustments and all the things that go on uh, in the third quarter. 
any, anyone have a problem with with playing starters in the third preseason game? I say put Joel Batoni on bubble wrap, but other yeah. than that, <laughs> play who play who you need to play. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely okay with that. And like Mary Kay was saying, the biggest thing for me is making sure you get Jacoby out in in actual game situation before week one. Uh, especially after, I'm not going to lie, like seeing how Deshaun Watson looked in that preseason game against Jacksonville, like I hope that they were able to figure some things out from that, that he was able to get some jitters out of his system. Like I think Jacoby Brissett still has to do that same thing. It's a new team, it's a new system, and these guys have spent months learning it. But I think you have to see it in action before week one and kind of take that opportunity to tweak whatever you need to tweak and like Mary Kay said to develop that last little bit of chemistry that he's worked really hard on but there are certain things you just can't simulate out here on the practice field in Berea yeah I mean regarding to Sean the theme of the season is going to be jitters and working that out I mean the first as far as regular season game coming back will be 23 months and one day after is actual first game playing and starting, which will be against his former team and their city. So definitely looking forward to that. But it's just all about pace and just about consistency and taking it step by step. And I know that sounds like something Kevin Stefanski would say, but it's true. It's cliche, but it's honest. Yeah, that was a very uh, Kevin Stefanski answer. You have learned very quickly uh, how to sound like Kevin Stefanski. He'd be proud. All right, I think that'll do it here uh, for the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Tuesday. Brown's practicing all week, and then, of course, uh, Saturday they will take on the Bears in their final preseason game. And then next Tuesday it is roster cutdown day. They'll have to cut down to 53 players. So uh, we'll be on top of all of that. As we go along, just subscribe to the Orange Brown Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Rate and review us as well. And, of course, become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns the Blue Banner at the top of the page. For Mary Kay, Ashley, and Irene and Dan, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>